Welcome into Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here. The Knicks got a win in Washington, 109 to 91 over the Wizards without Bradley Beal. It was a game they should have won, and they did. But Gavin, unfortunately, this wonderful party of a game was uh, rained on by some bad news. Yeah, Mitchell Robinson in the midst of a career night, 10 points and 14 boards in 20 minutes, fractured his hand with about a minute to go in the first half, if I'm remembering correctly. And uh, yeah, it was it was it was a blowout, but there were some lackluster elements of it. We're going to try to get into some of the good parts. Emmanuel quickly and Derrick Rose, electric off the bench, some flashes from Obi Toppin, who may be somewhat unlocked by Rose's arrival. All that and much more right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Starts with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's fouled. Anthony for three. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. And who specifically from Locked On sent you? Well, that's me, Alex Wolf. I am the editor-in-chief of Nick's website, The Strickland. You can find us at thestrick.land in your web browser. And joined, as always, by Gavin Shaw. You know him as a play-by-play announcer by day and a Nick's podcaster today. Actually, by night, Gavin, we're, we're on brand. We're actually doing it at night instead of, you know, during the day or something. Yeah, I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm working at all hours. It's, it, I'm, I'm, I love showing off my versatility. Yeah. Uh, and the Knicks showed their versatility in this game too. <laughs> what a segue. Uh, <laughs> um, and, you know, as we said in the intro, the Knicks won 109 to 91. They had no business losing this game. Let's put it that way. Uh, the worst team in the NBA, the worst defense in the NBA by some metrics the Washington Wizards, without their best player. So they were missing, you know, 30 points a game from Bradley Beal. And, uh, you know, it really, this was a, a game that maybe even stayed somewhat close for too long. It was like midway through the third quarter before the Knicks finally permanently stepped on the gas and put this away by about 20 points. Uh, but regardless, the Knicks got the win. They did what they had to do. Gavin, uh, I think before we get into the game itself, uh, we both want to talk about the Mitch news first. You, already, you mentioned it in the in the intro. You know, Mitch had a broken hand. I'm no doctor, but it looked like a like it wasn't like a horrific incident that broke it to begin with. Like when they showed the replay on MSG, it was not particularly hand breaking looking. It's not like he got his hand stepped on or something and then had to immediately leave the game. Uh, it seemed like he he hit it and. I think continued to play for a minute or two after. And then, you know, when they went back to the locker room, then it was just announced he wasn't going to come back. He broke his hand. Um, 
my inclination, not being a doctor, but just understanding how some bone breaks work is that I feel like maybe it's a hairline fracture, uh, which normally heals a little quicker rather than a compound fracture, which is hairline is when it breaks along the length of the bone, whereas a compound is where the bone actually breaks in half. Um, I would be inclined to say it's a hairline fracture just due to the fact that he was able to keep, you know, using it for a little bit. And, you know, it wasn't like an urgent thing that he had to be immediately subbed out for. Uh, but that's just my take on it, I guess. Uh, it could be right, could be wrong there. We'll have to see what the timetable comes out to be. But Gavin, like, what's your reaction to this news right away? I, I know I'm, I don't know. I think the Knicks can hold up to some degree, but also this is a pretty big blow to like their defense. And particularly like after what we just saw in this game, it's like, oh, this was Mitch was breaking out and having like probably his signature game of this season so far in one half. And then, you know, has to sub out and is probably going to be out a number of weeks now. Yeah. I mean, it, it sucks. There's no other way to phrase it. This could potentially cost the Knicks their chance at a play-in tournament game. If he's out anywhere longer than a month, and I, I would assume somewhere around a month is, is the bare minimum. Obviously, you could have, to your point, a more severe compound fracture. We saw Steph Curry. I'm pretty sure, if I'm remembering correctly, his injury last year was a compound fracture. He missed, what was it, 50, 60 games um, spread out over a wider time frame. So there's there's a world where Mitch is, is out for the season. Obviously, that's the worst case scenario. And to your point, probably the more unlikely of the two outcomes. But yeah, that could that would tank the Knicks' entire season. We, we've noted it time and time again. They have sixth-ranked defense in the NBA right now. That is not sustainable without Mitchell Robinson. Uh, Tibbs can make all the adjustments he wants. Uh, Nerlens Noel can play out of his mind. Uh, there is not another Mitchell Robinson on this roster because very few teams have a Mitchell Robinson defensively. And offensively, um, to your point, um, he could certainly um, elevate the ceiling of this team when he plays as aggressively as he did today. Um, I think some of it was circumstantial given um, the opposition and that the Wizards were without their own star center and Thomas Bryant. So Alex Len was starting, who they literally signed uh, three weeks ago. Um, and Rolo was coming off the bench for them, who who couldn't really do much against Mitch. So this was this was sort of a perfect storm. But you, you wanted to see that kind of development for him. And I, I thought as the Knicks slowly but surely, uh, hopefully, this is more of a prayer than a reality, start to uh, work Alfred Payton, uh, purge him from the rotation, um, I think life was just going to get better and better for Mitch, whether it was it was more shooting with Emmanuel quickly at the point guard spot or more creation with Derrick Rose at the point guard spot, whoever ended up eventually starting for Peyton. Again, this is maybe wishful thinking, but assuming that was going to happen at some point, um, I think you would have really seen Mitch unlocked offensively and now um, beyond Tibbs just making the right decision and benching Peyton, that's put on hold even longer by this injury. So the Knicks are going to really have to scrap to survive. As far as how they're going to adjust, Ian Begley had a quote from Tibbs post-game, mentioned that Taj and, or yeah, New Orleans Noel and Taj are going to split the minutes at center, um, but also noted the possibility that Julius Randle could get some run at the five with Obi Toppin or uh, the recently benched Kevin Knox getting some minutes at the four. So if you're looking for a silver lining, Alex, I would say that's it. I, I've been Clamoring for some Randall at center looks for a decent amount of time. I think against some of the better teams in the NBA, I don't really think those lineups can hold up defensively because as good as Randall has been this year on that end of the floor, he, he's not really a rim protector. He'll, he'll be pretty solid in one-on-one defense against all but the most dominant centers in the league just because of how thickly he's built. 
But if you're asking to protect the rim and, and stop some of the best guards in the league, um, you're fooling yourself. That's not really going to happen. Offensively, though, I think, one, it's an interesting um, mechanism to unlock Obi Toppin because in a lineup like that, he would get to work as, as the sole rim runner out there, which is the role he played at Dayton and how he became the college basketball player of the year and a role we haven't seen him in all season. His ability to um, use his vert- um, his vertical gravity to draw on the defense and either kick out passes or, or just get a whole bunch of dunks with how quick he is to the rim. Uh, that's why the Knicks drafted him. So it's exciting to maybe be able to see that. Um, or you could have Kevin Knox in there and suddenly you have four shooters around Julius Randle and as good and as efficient as Randle has been, there's potentially even another level for him to hit offensively with four shooters. So those are the silver linings, but make no mistake, this is a major, major loss for the Knicks. Yeah, I just want to throw it out there. Once he gets back from contact tracing protocols, let's just throw Frank in at five. Why not? He does. Right? He has the wingspan for it. Yeah, he has the wingspan. I mean, what else do you need, really? And he he blocked Porzingis that one time, and it got called a foul. But it was definitely a block, so... I don't know. I see no issue with that now, but I, <laughs> I agree with your assessments um, in all seriousness. Like I think I, I, you know, during preseason and like the very first game, uh, there were some times where they put Randall and Obi out there where I actually was somewhat surprised with the results. Like it, it, they didn't really hemorrhage points and it was a pretty efficient look on offense to many degrees because on top of everything else, <laughs> God, there we are with now. There's now there's Obi Toppin top puns, um, but on topping of everything else uh, that you get out of you know Obi and and Randall, there's then two really quality passing players at your four and five spot, which is pretty useful uh, because no matter where you know you're, in theory, no matter who is on the floor, every person is a capable passer. It's going to be looking to make the right pass you know, to whoever it may be, unless Alfred Payton's on the floor, in which case the pass is definitely not going to the right place, um, <laughs> which is probably too overly haterific. I mean, he, he has played a little better the last few games. Clearly he's running for his life from the Derrick Rose trade, but at any rate, um, yeah, I, I look forward to that potentially to Kevin Knox minutes. If he can start hitting shots again, I mean, he came in to this game late in garbage time and pretty horribly bricked a three. So uh, Mark Berman had tweeted out that he was doing extra work uh, pregame in Washington in this one and didn't look like that paid off too much. Like he didn't have the uh, the always ready moment, you know, where he kind of popped out and just hit a three uh, in garbage time to prove that he still got it. So I don't know. I guess we'll see, you know, maybe if he gets some minutes out there. Nominally, he's a shooter, but he hasn't been a shooter for weeks now, and that's why he's not in the rotation anymore. Um but yeah, I think the the most uh, also the most likely outcome is we're just going to see a platoon of Nerlens Noel and Taj Gibson yeah. in all likelihood. You know, if it's for like a month or something, I think that's exactly why they signed Taj Gibson is to be like sort of a a safety valve in this situation. And I actually almost wonder if Taj will will get starts and if Noel will continue coming off the bench, uh, just to kind of since Tibbs seems to really love his bench chemistry so much which is why you know quickly is still coming off the bench and maybe rose is going to continue coming off the bench etc etc which we could talk about when we get into the nitty-gritty of the game in the next segment but yeah it's uh it's an interesting conundrum that the knicks are in now really unfortunate one because i would love for mitch to still be healthy because i thought this was really this is one of his best halves 
you could almost say one of his best games that he's played all year, like in total. But I would say definitely his best half that he played all year. And, you know, of course, gets cut short by an injury. And, you know, we're back to, you know, who knows what it's going to be like when he gets back, if he's going to have to do the typical Mitch reset where things take him a minute when he gets back to, you know, normalize himself again. And like, is he going to come back and start fouling again? Like, who knows? This will maybe in some ways this will kind of be a, a big test for Mitch to show that he can stay consistent even when he's coming back from an injury and fighting off those, you know, coming back jitters and all that stuff. I guess we will have to see. But Gavin, unless you had anything else to add, I was going to let the good people know about our title sponsor today, Rock Auto. No, I, I, I would like to hear about Rock Auto, Alex. I know you're a big driver. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I have heard that. Yeah, huge, huge fan. I, I can't do it myself, but I'm just, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of big. people who can, and 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 the idea of driving. <laughs> big fan of people who can. That was good. Yeah. Uh, so everybody, let me tell you about RockAuto.com. With the ever increasing numbers of makes and models of cars, it's impossible for those brick and mortar auto parts stores to stock all the parts you need in their traditional storefront. Think about it. Just off the top of your head, you could probably name 20 different brands of cars. Well, maybe not 20, but five to 10. And each of them has at least, you know, 10 different models that they have going at any given time. And those models have been going for 20 years or more. There's way too many parts. They just can never stay in a traditional little storefront like that. And what happens is inevitably you go in there looking for whatever part for your car. They don't have it. They have to special order it. It takes a few days to come in and then you get the bill and you get sticker shock and you go, wow, maybe I should have just gone to the mechanic. That's all gone with rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is super easy to use. You just log on on either your phone, your tablet, your computer, whatever fits your fancy. You're greeted by a super easy to use menu that has all the makes of car you could possibly think of. Click on your make a car, click on the year, click on your model, and then click on the trim package. And then you're down to a nice, easy to sort through list of all the parts for your car or truck. And I could tell you, I looked for my 09 Subaru Forester XT and I found tons of parts, like, and pretty much any part that I would want to have my choice of about four or five different variations that have different, you know, capacities or whatever the case, or, you know, there's all kinds of different options that you have available for you when you're looking for parts and they're bottom dollar inexpensive. You're not going to find them for any less anywhere else. So if you're interested in checking out what rockauto.com has for your car or truck, head there right now. And if you decide to pick up a part, write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, we'll be back to continue recapping Nick's Wizards. But first, we want to remind you, February is Black History Month, and the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and successes of black men and women in sports with a new series called Locked On Presents More Than the Game. Don't miss this week's episode featuring Candace Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels and Eric Ayala of Locked On Women's Basketball discussing the opportunities and challenges that come with being a black woman in sports. There's a new episode coming next week, so go ahead and subscribe to the Locked On Presents podcast feed on the Radio.com app or wherever you get podcasts. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. We are back, segment number two. And Alex, oh, I had some some James Marcita rhythm there. Uh, Alex, let's uh, let's talk bench. I think they were the most uh, interesting slash compelling part of this game. Outside of um, 
Mitch's actual performance in this one, which which was awesome. We didn't we didn't really get to too much in the first segment. The starters were were fairly lackluster. Notable other exception to that was Julius Randle, who was twenty four points, eighteen boards, four assists on eight of fifteen shooting, two or three from distance, six to seven from the line on the night. So apologies to Randle and apologies to Mitch. But I, I would like to start. With the bench, a, a lot of different ways to go. Derrick Rose was, I mean, no other way to say it. He was electric. 14 points, 6 assists, 4 steals in just 20 minutes. Um, Emmanuel quickly inefficient, but did put up 16 points in 22 minutes. Obi Toppin, um, arguably one of the two or three best games of his young career. 8 points, 3 boards, an assist, and a block on 4 or 5 shooting in just 16 minutes. I'm throwing a lot of names at you, Alex. Pick one out of the hat. Where do you want to start? I mean, I'll pick two. I'll, I'll say Rose in quickly. You know, I think what are we what are we calling them now? What's the I think I've seen like Rosely, Rickley. Rickley, I kinda like. I kinda like that. Yeah, Rickley sounds Rickley's, a little believe better. it or not. They were good. Yeah, Rickley. <laughs> yeah, that, hey, that works pretty good. Uh so yeah, we're going with Rickley for the moment, I guess, because Rosely doesn't really I don't I don't get it. Um it, that's literally that's like lazy. It's just their two names, but like, I don't know, whatever. Anyway, um not that Rickley is any different, but at least it's more versatile. Anyway, I think those two, you know, they they have great chemistry together you know one thing that i'm noticing is that that i guess my only gripe is that we're seeing less of quickly initiating offense quite as much now like he's kind of being reactionary within the offense rather than being the action that starts the reaction if that makes sense like he's you know rose is typically the guy now that seems to be driving in breaking down the d um you know, dishing out to a guy on the perimeter, getting the ball moving around to find an open shooter, that sort of thing, which is great because that's something he's really good at. But that is something that we were seeing quickly do a little more before these last two games with Rose. That said, I'm not even really complaining because Rose is playing really good in his own respect. Um, I, I think maybe the end game here is if, you know, Alfred Payton keeps playing quote unquote well, and there's these contenders allegedly that are, interested in his services, then maybe the end game here is that eventually you split up Rosen quickly and move Rose to the starting lineup, keep quickly on the bench, or maybe move quickly to the starting lineup and keep Rose on the bench to just kind of keep feasting off of backups because clearly he's way too good for the Ish Smiths of the world. Um, But like either way, you know, in this time that we have them together, whether it's a handful of games, whether it's all the way through the end of the season, whatever the case may be, with these two, it's it's a pretty enjoyable experience, uh, even if it doesn't necessarily put quickly in the exact role I would want him to be in uh, based off some of his best performances that we saw prior to the Rose deal. But it's certainly I mean, I think my opinion on Rose is kind of the same as the last game. Like he's just like a like a souped up version of what Austin Rivers was giving you, but like actually good. Um, you know, he's playing energetic defense. He's like just absolutely murdering in transition. I mean, he's he's pushing the pace so hard, like, you know, just shoving it down other teams throats, like just running, running, running and, you know, finding people in transition. Like he had a really nice one for uh, for Randall at one point today, like a really nice pass where he kind of lowered the defense in and then just threw a little frozen rope to Randall under the hoop and got him for a nice uh, transition bucket. I think he hit Obi on a, like, if it wasn't purely transition, it was like a semi-transition where he just kind of, like, stopped at the the three-point line on his way down, and Obi was just wide open behind the defense. He just kind of floated it over the top for him. That was one of Obi's makes, and 
I just I love what he's doing with the team. And it's like he got like a like a shot in the arm when he came here uh to start playing for Tibbs again and he just seems I he seems like he's like maybe minus the insane vertical burst, he seems like he's like ten years younger. You know, he seems like he's back in back in Chicago again, you know, like in, in his glory days, but you know, just without the the insane dunking, which is probably better off anyway for him because, you know, when he was dunking so much, he was landing horribly, which was ultimately, I think, with Torres ACL. So, you know, maybe a little more groundbound Derrick Rose is better anyway. But, Gavin, I, I've I've loved what I've seen from him from the first two games. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't have too many worries about this trade, I guess, in general, other than that it would potentially the, – the big worry I had was that it was going to – block quickly from playing and that it was going to block him from having productive minutes and stuff. But thus far, you know, even though his role has been different, I think that quickly has still had productive minutes and is still playing really well. And in many ways, I think Rose is helping him, uh, particularly as it pertains to developing his off ball game. So I think there's benefits to quickly and there's obviously benefits to the Knicks on the floor right now. Yeah, you would you'd ideally again in in a world where Alfred Payton wasn't on the team, you would see quickly get reps in both situations, like where he gets to lead the bench unit, um, some time getting to play with the starters, and then some time getting to play off Derrick Rose. Because you, you you want you want him to be doing both because the the reality is for quickly, um, there there are a number of different outcomes um, to his trajectory, and and there's a world where he's um, Dame Lillard light and and he's running your team and and he's handling the ball the whole game and he's taking ten threes a night. And that that's that's a beautiful world if you're a Knicks fan. And there's also a world where he's um, if if, if we if, if we could be so lucky, he's playing off of Kate Cunningham next year, and he needs to learn how to work off the ball. And and it's going to get him um, some easy shots. Like I I I mean you you saw it I think most actually when he was in with Randall at the end of the game, and, and they were working a really nice two man game. Um, Randall had this like little dribble drive. Or Russell Westbrook, and, and you could tell like Russ was kind of conditioned by what he was doing when Elf was in the game. And, and there was a play in the early going that um, was sort of foreboding to this, where uh, Ru- or Elf was on the wing, Julius drove, and he was literally like double teamed. And I think it was Russ who came in and stripped Randall. Um, and then fourth, fast forward to the fourth quarter, it's already a blowout at this point. Russ comes down, kind of tries to do the same thing again. But this time, instead of like looking out at um, Elf and essentially saying in his mind, all right, there's no one I can pass it to. I just got to kind of force this um, towards the hoop. He kicks it right out to quickly, quickly nails a wide open three. And I just saw that shot and I was thinking in my head, God, how many times is quickly at a wide open three all year? You can count it on one hand. And, and that's that's what playing with Julius Randle will do to you, because especially against teams like the Wizards, there aren't too many guys at this point who can just flat out handle him one on one. Um, I guess circling back to Rose, I- I'm in total agreement. He- he's been spectacular. He's been so, so good for Obi Toppin because right now the thing Obi does best in the NBA or, or yeah, the thing that Obi does best in the NBA is, is run the floor. And Austin Rivers, um, bless his heart, was-, was not finding Obi Toppin very often when he'd be pretty open uh, under the basket. Rose is looking for him every single time. Obi got two dunks off of that. It clearly it gave him some confidence. He had another play where he like bullied his way in for a little jump hook, um, had another one where he got a layup, um, went coast to coast. And then, Oh, sorry. I'm looking, I'm looking at Rose right now. Um, he, he had another play, excuse me, where he ran the floor really hard and he didn't get the ball, but it drew in a defender and it got Emmanuel quickly in open three. And, and that's the kind of unselfish play we've seen from Mitchell Robinson all year, particularly with him out. Now it's going to be crucial that Obi 
um, in, in those kind of situations is able to sprint the floor and, and create that space for shooters. Because those are plays that you, you don't get a recorded stat on them outside of your plus minus looking a little bit better. But it, it's it's as good as getting an assist on a three-pointer. All right, finally, circling back to Derrick Rose. The only thing I will say on Rose is that I don't think the diet of mid-range shots he's he's by and large subsisting on is necessarily sustainable. That that opinion was reaffirmed with the conversation I had earlier this week with Matt Shook of Locked on Pistons. If you want more on Rose and you haven't listened to that yet, please go and check that out. Um, but I, the way I'm kind of trying to look at Rose is, is how does this look when the shots aren't falling, Alex? Because if you remember, it feels like a long time ago. We sort of had the same love affair with Austin Rivers initially, and we, we were both kind of saying like, wow, oh my God, how did they get him for, for this kind of money? And now with Rose in my head, I'm like, wow, how did they only get him for a second round pick? That's pretty good. And, and the reason is those shots aren't going to fall every night. And when those shots aren't falling, it's going to look a whole lot worse. And, and Rose, like Rivers, will have a tendency to keep forcing them. The big difference is Rose, his speed and his athleticism and his passing ability even on nights when that shot isn't falling, he's going to be able to make a difference. It's just if he can recognize that early and not force the issue and just keep making good, unselfish plays and letting quickly take over, particularly on those nights. Rose has said all the right things. Whenever he's been in the game, he's done all he can to get the rookies involved. So I'm thrilled with Derek Rose so far. Again, the question comes when those shots sort of stop going in. Yeah, I guess the other thing that you could – think about with that was that there was sort of a similar situation last time Rose was in New York too, uh, where he was, he was, you know, kind of living in the mid range a lot. And that was harming the Knicks ultimately in the long run, because once those shots stopped falling and once Rose stopped being creative in his offense, uh, you know, then things kind of went poorly for the Knicks the last time around with him too. But I, I do see a lot of differences this time around. I mean, he seems like a much more willing ball mover this time than the last time with the Knicks. For one thing, he seems like a much more capable and confident three-point shooter because there was there was at least one today where he got it whipped out to him by, I think it was Randall in the corner, and he just confidently pulled up for the three. Did make it, but you know it was more the thought that counted with that one. Um, and you know we saw in the, the first game that he can definitely hit the three too. Uh, you know, it's, it's something that's in his bag now. Whereas the last time he was with the Knicks, I mean, he was, it, it's crazy to think about, but he was, he was pretty much as bad last time with the Knicks shooting the three as Alfred Payton is currently just to like put it in perspective. And that's really bad. Um, particularly because Rose, I think was leaned on a lot more his first time in New York, but I think this version of Rose seems different to me. He's, he's definitely more invested in, getting his teammates involved. He's talking a really big game, but also, also, you know, walking the walk, so to speak about helping develop Emmanuel quickly and Obi Toppin and the other young guys on the roster. Um, so I think that I, I think hopefully, you know, even if the mid range shot stops falling a little bit, hopefully Tibbs has enough sway over Rose to be like, Hey buddy, stop shooting. If it's not going in, like we've already seen, I think that Tibbs kind of drills that into guys in practice and maybe has a way to like signal to them like your green light is off because we've even seen it happen with Randall sometimes this season where Randall will just not have it going for mid-range one game. And then all of a sudden, like a switch, he just stops shooting them. And he says, you know what, I'm just going to get to the rim or I'll take spot up threes or I'll try to use whatever creation I can get not to shoot a mid-range, but to 
you know, set someone else up on the perimeter. And hopefully Rose has sort of that same mentality uh, when he's out there the rest of this year. But Gavin, uh, I think now is about the time. I don't, I don't know what we're going to do at this point because, you know, we're, we're now past the Super Bowl, but I think it's time to tell everybody about betonline.ag. Well, Alex, it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football, as you hinted at, might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's absolutely free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Just use promo code Locked On. And this episode is also brought to you by Ten Ten. Now you may have read about this in the New York Times, In Style Magazine, or Forbes, and we're excited to tell you about it. Ten Ten is an exclusive collection of ten one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by ten of the most distinctive designers working today, using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana. 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring. They're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. And when they're gone, they're gone. We all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're ready to mark a special commitment or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings is now available exclusively at BlueNile.com. All right, and we're back. But just remember, when you need fantasy basketball advice, it's important that you have a reliable source. More people trust Josh Lloyd, host of Locked On Fantasy Basketball, than any other fantasy basketball podcast. Subscribe to the number one fantasy basketball podcast, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, wherever you get podcasts. So, Gavin, uh, looking through the box score here, I mean, obviously we talked about Mitch and the unfortunate situation there. We talked about Rose and Quickly, uh, more specifically Rose, who has really played really well these last two games. Uh, Other than that, I mean, I I want to talk about Toppin a little bit. I mean, I really – it's – it was mostly all just offensive stuff with Toppin in this game, but I liked what I saw from him. I mean, he was, I guess maybe part of it is just, he's finally, he finally has someone looking for him in the game, which is certainly useful. Um, You know, just like we were talking about quickly has some good chemistry with Rose Toppin obviously already has some good chemistry with Rose as well. Uh, Or just by chemistry, it's more just someone who actually looks for him, um, which is a huge step up from whatever it was that Austin Rivers was doing and what, you know, Alfred Payton would occasionally do if he and Toppin were in the game together, which was more or less ignore him. Uh, Rose is just consistently head up looking for Toppin. And, you know, Obi's like, I, I noticed he really feasts on getting position down low, particularly in transition. You know, we've noted his struggles a lot with, generating post position uh you know where he needs to really use his body to do it but you know in in a lot of cases like his uh his 
ability to run down the floor and then just kind of find himself in the right place has been pretty useful so far this year. Um, you know, and often goes unrecognized because uh, he had two looks just like that, where he just kind of beat the defense down the floor because he is a pretty quick dude. Uh, beat the defense down the floor and then just was chilling right under the basket. And, you know, Rose happened to be dribbling down the floor and was like head up and looked and saw, oh, there's a guy wide open under the hoop. Why don't I throw it to him? And found Obi twice that way. Um, but there was two other possessions too. You know, Obi had four makes in this game. And the one other one was a, <laughs> I just thought funny. I, I called it like the, the shut up Berman play. Because like Mark Berman, our good friend who's been on the show before, uh, wrote a piece this week about uh, how Denny Avdia, you know, was taken before Obi and, you know, trying to turn it into like a one versus the other type thing. Or sorry that Obi was taken before Denny Avdia, but, you know, you know what I was trying to say. Um, but at any rate, <laughs> there was like the one of Obi's first possessions of the game. He got it and backed down Avdia and made maybe a little bit of a fortuitous uh, little hook shot over him right in the middle of the paint. Uh, it looked almost like, I, I don't think he got the ball hit, but the ball was definitely kind of loose in his hand and he just so happened to direct it the right way to get a nice uh, bank in. But we'll call that intentional. It, we'll just say he wasn't going That's for a switch. Was shot I've ever seen. I, I, I wanted to rewind it four times so that I, I had no idea how it went in. Yeah, yeah, we'll just say it was intentional. Sure. It was totally intentional. Yeah. <laughs> It was just one of those where, like, you're going up and then you totally lose the ball for some reason, and then it just goes in anyway. And you just say, okay, whatever, that's what I meant to do. Um, But then the other one, he had a nice, like, driving layup in transition. Uh, I I don't think it was Avdia that was the closest guy on him. I actually pulled that play up because I'd want to see it again. But it was like three dudes on that play, right? Yeah. It was Avdia first. And then let's see, who's 21? Oh, that was that dude who was starting. What was his name again? Uh, Garrison Uh, Matthews. Matthews, yeah, Matthews. That sounds right. Him and and Neto was down there as well. Lips come um, great, Garrison Matthews. Yeah, yeah. So Obi managed to split those three guys, get a nice layup in transition. That was like in the fourth quarter, so it was pretty much garbage time at that point anyway. But it was nice. I mean, yeah. it, it actually Obi's abilities in transition sort of remind me of way back when when we used to talk about Kevin Knox's abilities in transition, like when he first started with the Knicks. But I think Obi's actually better because he offers more in the way of passing and stuff when he's running the floor in transition, but he's pretty nimble and he seems pretty adept at getting his body in there and getting up for a layup in, in transition. And maybe that's another way that the Knicks can try to utilize him better. Yeah. Um, in addition to just getting him behind the defense. No, we, and we've heard so many people note it that the Knicks were probably the worst or, or at least one of the two or three worst situations in the NBA for Obi. And I think now that they have Derek Rose, I mean, you're seeing how much easier his life is. I mean, to your point, just getting found when he's wide open, but also the fact that they're consistently playing at a faster pace and Rose generates transition opportunities. And unlike Peyton, he actually, he, he looks to create them even when they're not there, like, like just off of a rebound. Rose is getting and saying, can we run? Can we get an easy basket? And um, with, with Peyton, not to dump on him, but I, I always do it, so I'll just continue. Um, it's, it's always slow it down. Let's, let's see what we got. Let's, uh, let's pass it once. Let's get it back. Let's, let's survey everything. It's the opposite with Rose, and that makes Obi's life a lot easier. Um, there, were, there were some poor moments in this game. I thought outside of the block he had on Denny, and, and he had one nice possession guarding Rui Hachimura. His, his defense was really bad in the first half. It's like the Wiz- this Wizards team that is just horrible. Uh, without Bradley Beal, without Tommy Thomas Bryant, probably 
I, I'm going to say definitely the worst team in the NBA. Russ is, uh, I've, I've never been a big, big Russ fan, but he, he is, he has lost something. He, he is not the same guy. This is a bad, bad team. And they were in the game and, and Obi um, defensively was, was maybe one of the, one of the culprits. He, he was far from the worst defender, but he, he was scrambling all over the place. He looked lost. He was getting beat. Um, he kind of had the whole high hip thing going where it looked like he was like running with, with a broken or, or amputated limb. Uh, it, it didn't look good defensively for Obi. He really badly airballed the three where it was both short and like it was from the corner and it ended up like four feet away from the front of the rim somehow. And, and he, he has a bad habit now of like having one or two of those per game. And it seems like he's really lost a lot of confidence from three and his depth perception is off on a lot of those shots. And it feels like he gets the ball. And and I, I I've had that feeling before, Alex. Like again, relating myself to a much more talented NBA player, um, where where if I haven't played basketball in a while, or like I'm playing with new people and I don't feel confident, like you you really get in your own head and you almost feel like you can't totally grip the ball and you just you miss a shot like way worse than you have at any point in your life. It feels like Ob still has a little, some of those jitters when when he's too open from three or he feels like he has to take one. Um, but that coast to coast was great. So so some highs and some lows for Ob Toppin. Uh, Another guy who unfortunately has been having some lows of late, R.J. Barrett, um, another third straight pretty poor game from him, just 3 of 13 from the field. There were some good moments. He had some really nice uh, passes to Mitch in the pick and roll early in this game. Um, again, that, that is consistently a great weapon for the Knicks that will be going away for the time being. Um, but R.J. now, Alex, over his last three games, just 9 of 33 do you subscribe to this just to poor shooting? Because I, I think part of it is his inconsistent um, usage from Tom Thibodeau, obviously in the Miami game, getting limited minutes tonight, only playing 26 minutes. It, it just feels like, um, I, I know it's only been the last two games with Rose, but maybe having the extra ball handler in there, or if it's like Randall taking more shots, it, it feels like he hasn't been as big of a part of an offense. And because of that has failed to get into the rhythm that he, he was just coasting on the previous 10 to 15 games. Well, as you as you just noted too, like the biggest thing I think for RJ is just like it's going to be a test for the Knicks and the Knicks defense and everything else not having Mitch out there. It's going to be a test for RJ too because the biggest thing that RJ has been using to get going in any given game, be it you know first quarter uh, when they first come out, third quarter when they first come out, sometimes even down the stretch of the game, is you know even if it doesn't result in a Mitch bucket, the Mitch pick and roll with RJ has been like their bread and butter lately. Like those two definitely have something going on. And now RJ's going to have that taken away from him. And uh, it's going to be a big test for him, I think. And I think, you know, to get back to like your actual question, I think it's just been kind of game plan, kind of also that the shots aren't falling. Um, I think it's been a little bit of both. But, you know, the big thing is like, even when his shots aren't falling, RJ has been running the pick and roll with Mitch and stuff like that. Still doing things to keep, you know, the offense moving and, you know, he's still a good and willing passer, still a good and willing defender. Um, so I'm not super worried, like in general, but yeah, the the shooting, it seems like, you know, and we have to remember too, like RJ's 20 years old. This is second year in the league. So there's going to be ups and downs. You know, he's, he's not, you know, as, as much as he shows flashes sometimes of being like an amazing, amazing prospect, he's not like the, natural god-given scoring machine that like zion is like i think he had what did zion have tonight in the first half like 29 points on porzingis or something um i I didn't know that but it's good for my fantasy team yeah zion had a ton of points on porzingis in this uh in the game tonight 
in the first half. I didn't see what they finished with, or maybe the game's even still going. But anyway, uh, you know, it's it, RJ's not not quite that level of player, and so he's going to have some ups and downs, and you know, he's going to have to figure this stuff out. But he seems to be he seems to be pretty unflappable by performance, you know, and that goes back to like his pedigree with having been in the spotlight for so long, having been the number one high school player for like, or, you know, number one player in his class all the way through like his freshman year at Duke, you know, and and dealing with all the media and attention that came with that. Like he's, he's just pretty, he's pretty chill. And I I think he's going to figure it out Um, that I'm not so worried about the shooting. I think it'll come back around sooner than later. And I do think that maybe, Tibbs will start trying to get him a little more involved uh, in different ways, you know, and especially now with Mitch out, because it seemed like the pick and roll with Mitch has been like the go to like, all right, let's get both you guys going. You know, RJ, you can shoot some mid range pull ups. Mitch, you can dive to the hoop and get some easy, you know, lobs and stuff. And, you know, we'll get you guys going that way. I, I think they'll start trying to do some more varied stuff for him, maybe some more handoffs type things, get him, you know, rolling downhill to the hoop and, trying to draw fouls, which he's really good at, uh, trying to finish in there, stuff like that. So I'm not super worried about it, but I, I, I'm i like, I just, I'm curious to see how it's going to be handled. Um, but I, I think that the streak, the bad streak that RJ had earlier in the year kind of proved to me, and, and how he rebounded from it, kind of proved to me that he's, he, he's never just going to completely sink on being cold, which was sort of what happened to Kevin Knox. Um, you know, Kevin Knox stopped shooting well from three and then all the rest of his decision-making and defense and everything else suffered as a result. Whereas RJ is going to keep playing the game the right way, no matter what. Um, and then once the shot comes around, then that's when he becomes like a, you know, borderline young star level player rather than just like a good player. Who's not going to shoot you in the foot on the floor. Yeah. I'm um, I'm with that. I have, I have no counterpoint to that. I think, I think you did a good job summing it up. Um, is there anyone else you want to hit on? Maybe just, uh, I already kind of gave Randall his salute. Uh, I noted that it would, it would do wonders for him to, to play more with Emmanuel quickly. I mean, you can, you can see just how insanely clogged the paint is and it's just, it's impossible for him to not have two defenders around him. And I will note again, if you're, if you're looking for an upside in the Mitchell Robinson injury, I actually kind of agree with you that it might not be a horrible idea to start Taj Gibson. Now you have to see if if the defense immediately falls to pieces, then, then maybe, then maybe it's, it's not worth the sacrifice, but offensively, just the fact that he, he has a little bit of a mid range game. Um, he, He is attempting some threes Taj, like not that he's really a threat from out there, but he, he'll he'll at least be spaced a little bit on the floor and the basket won't always be covered by someone. And, and that's the reason we've seen Randall. He's had to subsist on a diet of incredibly tough shots this entire season. And just a little bit of spacing at the five. Again, the, the ultimate version of that would be if you put Randall himself at center um, and put Knox or, or Obi out there at the four. But at that point, you're, you're totally sacrificing defense. Taj, um, as, as old as he is, um, as much as he's, he's a retread, um, he could potentially be the answer there to some degree. I think you play him too long or in the wrong matchup, he, he's going to get exposed. But that, that'll certainly be, uh, certainly be interesting for Randall. But yeah, I don't know, Alex. No, nothing really new for Randall. Just, uh, just another great game. And, and outside of that, I'm, I'm pretty content to wrap this one up. Yeah, I'm pretty good to wrap up too. I'll give Randall his shout out as well. It's just another amazing game for him. It's just 
purely routine at this point. And I will say too, I mean, this game, I don't, it happens like once per game, but there was, there was one sequence in this game where I was just like, please just send Alfred Payton to the moon where he, I think it was Randall drove in or RJ. I forget. One of those two drove in, created a look for Alfred on the perimeter where any other player on this team would have taken a three. Like even the ones that aren't that talented at shooting threes would have taken a three. Alfred instead tries to put it on the floor, falls over, and then gets up and is like flustered with himself. He's like, oh, I, I was definitely going to have a drive-by bucket. He wasn't. He was pretty well defended. Like it was not going to happen for him. And then like picks, you know, it throws it back to someone and who then I think threw it back to him again. And then he drove in and bricked like a relatively easy layup or floater or whatever. And I was just like, this is why I don't like when he plays. I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I It's probably piling on at this point, but I'm just, I'm tired of watching him play. I'm ready for him to be gone because I'm really starting to enjoy the whole rest of this team now. <laughs> now that like Rose is playing as well as he has for these few games. So now we don't have that like Austin Rivers counterbalance in the second unit to be like, oh, well, Alfred's bad, but Austin Rivers is worse. <laughs> you know, now it's, oh, you know, Rose is actually really good. I'd rather see him start even though he has pretty good chemistry with these bench guys. Um, and Alfred, I'd still rather just not be on the team because probably the best lineup all night was uh, there was a lineup of Rose quickly, uh, Burks, Randall, and Mitch at one point before Mitch got hurt. Easily the most intriguing lineup of the whole night. It was uh, amazing, like well-spaced, guys getting into the paint, passing it around to each other, you know, Mitch getting looks inside. Like it was just gorgeous basketball. I want to see more of that type of stuff. No more Alfred. Uh, and that's it. And I guess I'll just also shout out the, uh, the Westchester Knicks for starting their season off. I think they're two and Oh, I think they won their second game as well. I watched most of their first game. Iggy played well. Jared Harper played really well. Uh, Miles Powell, Seton Hall, who I've, you know, gushed about enough that I used to get to cover in high school when he was at Trenton Catholic. Shout out to Miles Powell. Had like, I think, 23 points in their second game, which helped lead them to the win. So they got like a little little big three action going on with the Westchester Knicks with uh, Harper Powell and and Iggy. So pretty fun product to watch. That's on, I think I think they're doing a lot of day games for the G League bubble. So if you want something cool to watch, watch uh, the Westchester Knicks down in Disney World. But uh, that is it for this episode and this episode was brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a set of 10 uniquely beautiful diamond rings, and they're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. This exciting collection of truly unique Limited edition diamond engagement rings is available now only at BlueNile.com. And this has been Locked On Knicks, so we will talk to you guys soon. Actually, tomorrow after tonight's game, so peace out. Peace out.